Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Airviews After Hours. I'm Jacob Blazer. And I'm Tyler Mason, and we've got a uh, fun duo on the show today. They are the two pilots behind FPV Films, that's filmed with a Z, Nikolai Anashenko and Carter Hansen. How's it going, guys? Good. Good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, man, for sure. No, we've been wanting you guys on for a while now. We've been loving your work over the last year plus. Um, but I'll start with you, Carter, because you you actually got into FPV prior to Nikolai. So what was it like getting into um, the hobby, the sport, and, and now the career? Yeah, um, that's a, it, it can be a very long answer. It can be a very short answer. I'll try to keep it short for the sake of the podcast. Um, I don't know if many people know this. I actually got into this hobby – when I was about 13, 12, 13, um, I started building my own RC planes. And obviously at that time there wasn't, you know, the drones and drone racing and cinematography and all that. So I started did that for a while, got bored of it. Um, and then I found I could, you know, put a live stream camera on it. And that's sort of when I really got drawn back into it. I flew big wings for a while. Um, if anyone knows Team Black Sheep, that's sort of what got me into that and um, built up the YouTube channel on that. And then... I uh, actually got sucked into drone racing. Um, someone from the Netherlands reached out to me and uh, sponsored me with frames and stuff. So I got into drone racing, um, you know, the competitive side of things for about maybe two years, sort of off and on. Gave it up again. And then finally, I came back into it maybe a year and a half ago and really decided that the thing for me was cinema. So I built up a quad specifically for cinema. And that's sort of uh, where I am today. So, Nikolai, uh, I know you've only been flying for about six months. How did you first get into FPV? For sure, yeah. So, it's actually kind of a funny story. What happened was uh, I used to, you know, I've always been pretty big on paragliding, speed flying, and skydiving. And, like, if I don't go two weeks without doing that, you know, as an adrenaline junkie, I kind of get kind of antsy. But what happened was this winter I learned how to ski, and I kind of messed up my shoulders skiing. So, I wasn't able to do those things, and I was trying to find, you know, something to replace that. So, uh, I, I knew that Carter was big on FPV, so I hit him up and I'm like, yo, dude, uh, could you could you build me a drone? Like, I really want to, you know, get started on this. And, you know, he kind of didn't take it very seriously at first. Like, ah, you know, people always hit me up, always want to, you know, get into FPV, but they don't take it seriously. But I'm like, yo, listen, like, I, I want to do this. So I got the controller and I got a DRL sim. And I was pretty much, like, for the two weeks that I was waiting for all the parts to arrive, I kept bugging Carter. I'm like, yo, come on, dude, hurry up. Like, I want my drone. I want to I get started. I want to try this. You know, I'm injured. I got nothing to do. And so I was just chilling on DRL. So I'm like, I came home after work pretty much every night, just put in, like, four hours. It was, like, my way of coping with everything. And it was, like, it was very meditative. It was just, like, flying around the map, doing 360s all over the place. And then finally, when the drone came in and Carter built it, um, I just started, once I started flying that, I was just totally in. So, are you, Nikolai, are you into building now, or are you strictly just flying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I ask uh, because I am just a pilot. There is no build. I have no talent at all building FPV. But I love flying crash. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely more like me. I still don't know how to solder. I, you know, technical <laughs> side, it, you know, I, I need to know what I need to know to fly. And, you know, actually, I've, I've picked up quite a bit just watching Carter build stuff. Uh, we really like to make these, like, cinematic build videos because I just think FPV is just an amazing thing, and I want to share it with, you know, as many people as I can. And I think that's, you know, a huge part of it is building the actual drone. But Carter's like, the mastermind behind all of our technical aspects, like, every little tiny – he's a genius. So I'm not even going to go into that, but that's pretty much the answer to that question. I guess Fair enough. 
to follow up to that, uh, Carter, uh, he talked about you're the, kind of the master builder of the two of you. Um, when you're building these cinematic quads, what type of things are you thinking about and, and tweaking and making sure that, you know, to, that these quads are, are how you guys want them and, and how long has that process kind of taken you to refine? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, um, funnily enough, I, I, like I said, I started about a year and a half ago and I sort of picked a frame. I like doing a lot of research before I ever start building something or buy parts or something. I don't like wasting money if I can help it. So I've actually been flying pretty much the same setup for about a year and a half and, you know, very minimal component changes minus, you know, flight controller updates and little, you know, random hardware upgrades, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think the first part of that is looking for a frame, um, you know, for flying cinematic FPV, there's a couple things you want to keep in mind, probably, you know, primarily you want your props out of you, you know, that's sort of a, a no, no as far as making footage look good. Um, you want, you know, enough space for battery. Uh, of course, there's prop size to keep in mind. So there's, you know, different aspects of it that we think about. Nikolai is actually on six inch and I'm on five inch and um, different reasons for that. But yeah, that's sort of the first step. And then from there on, it's really just, I like taking my time building, um, you know, knowing how to properly solder and make good solder joints that are gonna last and not crap out on you there of course, is uh, something I always try to do. And yeah, I think it's mostly just taking time from there and making sure everything's set up and reliable. So do you still have dreams set, Carter, sorry, this is for you. Do you still have dreams set on doing more in the racing world or is it all cinematic now? No, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, racing, like I said, I was sort of sucked into it. I had no intentions of racing and, you know, I had sort of been building up my YouTube channel and just started putting some videos up with my drones, um, you know, quadcopters. And this guy just totally random reached out to me. He's like, Hey, like you're an amazing pilot, dude. Like you got to race. I'm like, I'm just like putzing around my park. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, here's this guy from the Netherlands and we still talk and stuff. But anyway, he sort of sucked me into that. And so I started racing and, it's really fun in a way. I mean, it's, there's something you get about racing and even just like building up skills, um, you know, having to go through a track hit points like very precisely. Um, and there's sort of a flow you have to get into. And there's a lot of things I really liked it, but honestly, I think the biggest thing that got me out of it was just the crowd. Um, at least, I don't know if it's changed, but you know, multi GP and a couple of years ago, there's just everyone thinks they're better than the next guy. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, once you build a quad, it's like, oh, shit, I know how to build this thing and know how to program it and all this stuff. So you just get like a bunch of very big egos. Um, those that and then you crash a lot and you just I think you either have to invest a lot of time and money and be the best or you're sort of just wasting money unless it's fun. And you enjoy doing sure. that. Sure. Yeah. I know the, the two of you said your roommates and it seems like you're always out together flying. Is it when one of you is flying, is the other one usually right there with you or, or how do you guys kind of go about doing that? Well, of course, you know, we have to have a spotter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have a spotter always, <laughs> but, but not yeah, we, we, we really love doing the formation stuff is what we like to call it. Like people, some people call it chase, but I, I feel like chase, you can chase anything, you know, you can chase a car, you can chase a motorcycle, you can chase a squirrel, but like, Formation is kind of what we, we call it is, is, you know, when we are both in the air, like really, really close to each other. And I think that's like a big part of what we do. Uh, I think it's really good for 
for training and practice because you know when 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 you, you got to be really close to each other when you have those like wide angle GoPros and it really trains you to fly together, but also trains you how to like stick on some person and just like stick on an object that you're trying to get. Um, so really like that aspect. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's not easy by any means. And I'm no pro pilot by any means, but I fly the squirt around once in a while and I had Nurk in town a few weeks ago and he was trying to chase me and he's like, and he's one of the best in the world. And he's like, dude, stop and he's like getting mad at me while I'm flying and he's like fly straight so I can imagine what that's like for you guys um is that so is that your most um enjoyable time to fly is when you guys are doing the formation or is it more location based or what all goes into like your guys's best flight for for me I think it's whatever challenges me the most I I think I'm the kind of person who gets bored pretty easily so I always need something new to try and the thing about formation flying is that even if you're in the same location, like it's always going to be different because the weather conditions change. Like you can't hit the same line. Uh, you're going to be flying differently. Like it's really hard to replicate the exact same flight with, when you're flying formation. So I think that's for me. So definitely like some of the shoots that we've done, um, like with BMX, with, with drifting, like that was really, really fun as well. Um, just because it is challenging sometimes to get those like precise 360s around. Like I really like to just like keep going, keep going, keep going until you get the shot and you're like, oh, that feels, that feels good. But yes, it's a long answer, but uh, yeah, pretty much anything that challenges me. Yeah, I think for me, um, I mean, I, when I used to fly wings, I mentioned that briefly and, you know, I don't know if anyone's familiar, probably not because no one does it anymore. Um, and I still have a bunch hanging up on my wall that maybe will be fun one day. But, uh, you know, these big, like, 60-inch, basically, delta wings. Like, imagine a, a jetliner, and you take away the fuselage, and that's what you have. And so me and my buddy Ryan, we used to – there was one summer we got really, really into it. And basically the same thing that Nick and I are doing now, um, but, you know, formation with wings. And there's something about it. It's like, I don't know, like, X-wing fighters or, you know, being in a fighter jet. There's something about it that's just, like, super cool. You're on the ground talking with your buddy – but then you're like two miles away at the same time and you're like, Oh, you see that gap? Yeah. I see that gap. Yeah. Let's hit it. You go in and hit it. And you know, your buddy crashes in front of you, you get to see it. Like there's just a bunch of stuff that's, it's just really fun, you know, to have a second person. Um, and so that for me has been, I don't think a lot of people in this hobby have a second person to fly with. And, um, my buddy Ryan, who I used to fly wings with, he's ultra, ultra crazy smart. He ended up going to school of mines and, got caught up in a bunch of engineering stuff. So then for, I don't know, maybe the past two years, I was just flying solo again. Um, so I started doing a lot more, you know, when I started doing cinematic stuff, I would just do a lot more landscape. And then uh, when Nikolai started flying, that's when obviously with the second person. Well, I was going to ask, <laughs> you talked about flying together. Um, what What's the communication like when you guys are flying uh, these formations? And is it always the same guys flying first and the, the same guy flying behind? Or is it, do you switch that up when you're, when you're out there? Yeah, so it's it's definitely different. Um, sometimes I think it's it's about fifty fifty or so. Although I do I, I do like to do you know be the guy chasing behind a lot more, so I try to push that. But as far as communication go, we kind of have a system that we had in place. Uh, just because you know when you when you when you start to fly a lot and and you start to have the same problems happen, um, you know multiple times on your own, you're like, all right, how do we fix this? So like early on, we didn't have a whole lot of good communication. Like we'd launch and like. Oh, you forgot to start recording. 
They're like, oh, your voltage is like down. You, you used a used battery instead of like the fresh battery pile. So what we did was we basically created a checklist. So before we launch, we always go, you know, voltage check. Got to make sure the batteries are fresh. Um, DVR check, is that recording? Make sure the channel is good. Because sometimes like if we're right next to each other, it can be hard to tell which video is video, uh, who's who, you know? And then make sure the GoPro is recording. And then ready to launch. And then, you know, do you do a countdown? You launch at the same time and you go off. When you're more in the air, it's, it, it is very different because the person in front, their goal is to stay as stable as they can. Try to apply the most predictable line. Try to make sure that their, their, their turns can be pretty predicted and not, you know, kind of, you know, all over the place. And for the person behind, it's completely the opposite. You want to make sure that you're, you know, right on them. It's not about flying the stable line. It's about making sure that the person, I guess, making sure the person is stable in the frame, but you do whatever it takes to make sure that they are. So you'll have a bunch of little tiny constant adjustments for whoever's chasing. But that's, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, but we're still working on like the, the system of like how we communicate in the air. I think we're not 100% there yet, but I think that just from what we've, gone from like, I don't know, like four months ago, the, the, the ways that we used to fly four months ago and the ways that we used to fly now, it's like completely different, a lot more, um, you know, lots, a lot more solid, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's fun to look back and see the, the progress we've made. You know, you get to certain checkpoints along the way where you're like, wow, like this is insane. Like this is the best we're ever going to get. And then two months later, you look back, you're like, wow, we, we kind of sucked <laughs> back then. Like look how far we've come. Um, also another thing I don't think many people probably realize about, you know, flying formation, flying together with another person, unless, you know, if you're a racer, then you'll come across these issues. Uh, but there's just, you know, things like RF and, um, just stuff like that, that you don't really think about flying solo that can very quickly become issues flying together. So that's, you know, been a challenge to figure out as well. For sure. I remember I remember a few months back, I reached out, I can't remember which one of you, and I said, wait a minute, you guys live in Boulder, which is like the coolest town in the world, and you haven't flown the U yet. And now just a few weeks ago, you guys did put out that formation flying around like the football field and the campus, um, which I can tell you is my favorite flight of your guys's. But what is your, each of your favorite places you've flown or, or flight, you know, that you've uploaded to Airviews or YouTube or, or wherever? Mm, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, that's you want to go tricky. first. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Actually, I, I think I have mine. All right, you go, you go. I think I think the the shipyard, the abandoned shipyard mm. in California, that was that was crazy. Just because, and and you can kind of see in the comments too when people were looking at that, you're like, oh, this is straight out of like a video game, like you know, Call of Duty or some stuff, but. For, for us, it's like it was like out of a movie set, like it was nuts. But the the crazy thing about that shoot was, it was actually really really gusty. So we showed up and we were like debating whether we should even fly because the wind was like going all over the place. You can like hear the metal just clanging and like I don't know, just some some old like hanging parts. I don't know. It was it was wild and we're just like yeah I don't know this is this might be kind of weird. And just from you know my background as a paraglider. I'm always like very tuned to weather because you kind of need to do that if you're a paraglider. Um, you really focus on the micro weather. So I started saying like, yo, dude, there's going to be like a bunch of rotor around these cranes. Like it's going to mess us up. We're going to like crash into each other. We're like, all right, you know what? What happens happens if we get the footage we do. If not, you know, we don't. And so we ended up flying and one of, 
I, I think it was one of the coolest flights just because, you know, once we got up in the air and once we started to realize, you know, which spots were super turbulent, which spots were a little bit smoother and started to, you know, practice different, you know, predictable lines and patterns. Like we really got it down and I, I was pretty happy with the way it turned out. Also the color grade was really easy for that. Something about the lighting uh, just, just looked good. So that was probably my, my favorite one so far. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's always a thing. The more you fly, you know, you always have a new favorite, new favorite. Um, so I, I have many, but I think one of them is for sure uh, Mount Whitney. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. Um, it got, I think little clips have been shared around, but um, that was a very, that was actually the very first trip. So this was right after Nikola had started flying. Oh, probably. Yeah. He'd been flying for maybe two weeks. I think it was on week two. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And so this was the first time we just basically jumped in a road trip together. And this was, you know, we'd been flying together for maybe five days or so. But just to note, like this road trip wasn't an FPV road trip. This was a paragliding trip because Carter also paraglides, and I actually taught him how to paraglide, and he, like, returned the favor by teaching him how to drone, but this is, like, we're, like, uh, we were hanging out with our bros, and we're, like, yeah, all right, let's, let's do a paragliding trip out to California. It's kind of, like, a tradition, like, every spring, and the weather wasn't, like, super great for paragliding, and it just, by the end of it, just turned into an FPD road trip. Like, we just ended up, you know what? Screw paragliding. We're just going to fly the coolest spots that are drones. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, so it, it sort of spiraled down to that, and then by this point, um, we had just sort of left all of our other buddies behind to you know, <laughs> wait out the rain and stuff. So this was, I think, one of the last days of the trip, and um, we were sort of looking for spots. We were actually, I think we headed to this spot looking for a spot to paraglide. Yeah. And we ended up finding this road. It was sort of closed off, but there were some cars up there, so we just made our way up this road. And it goes to Mount Whitney, which is obviously a very iconic mountain. We didn't actually fly to Mount Whitney, but, you know, this mountain was, I don't know, probably 13,000 feet. Very big. Yeah. Um, we didn't even know how far away it was until we got back. I think it ended up being close to two and a half miles was our furthest point that we flew. Don't tell the FAA. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Uh, so part of the challenge was that here's this huge mountain and in between where we're flying, we're on this sort of shelf road and this mountain, which is two and a half miles away, not to mention, you know, probably 2000 feet up at least. So it's a very big distance. We're pushing our battery, we're pushing our control link. And if we have to bail, there's like 2000 feet that we'd have to climb down and go look in some snow. You know, there's pretty much no chance of finding it. Um, so flying up there is, you know, very nerve wracking. Um, and then I'm, as I'm going up there, then I'm surprised with a, a herd of mountain goats, bighorn sheep. I don't know what they were. Um, and so, you know, two and a half miles away here, I am just like dancing with some, some mountain goats up on the side of the mountain. So that was really cool. Um, and later on this, uh, fog ended up coming in. So there's, it was a whole day of, of just really, really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I remember, uh, there were not ones you mentioned, but the cruise ship one where you guys are flying uh, formation of that. I, for some reason, I thought I just, I'd never seen FPV like getting that close to a cruise ship, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then it wasn't a formation one, but the gas station flying through the um, like through the thing on the. Oh gas. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was on that same trip. <laughs> yeah, it was actually raining. It was actually raining that that night, and we we're like, well, we want to still fly, and so we're like, well, gas station it is. <laughs> yeah, I think that was. Definitely one of our more controversial ones. We ended up 
Well, I think we took that down at some point. Yeah, we took that down. Um, it's funny, on different platforms, you know, we get various responses. And, you know, I think on Instagram, people were very happy about it. But on Facebook, you know, people were talking about we could have, like, blown up Las Vegas and we could have, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And it's just like, yeah, it's you ridiculous. know, we know how what precautions we're taking to be safe about it. But, of course, other people just, you know, want to rant for the sake of ranting. And so oh, sure. sometimes you just have to, you know, deal with it and take it down and live with that. Uh, so that kind of, kind of leads me into one thing I want to ask was about the, the cinewhoop around the Denver protests a couple months back. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people thought it was you know pretty cool, and, and I think you guys even said you debated posting it. Uh, tell me about just kind of the feedback that you got from that one and mm-hmm. the video itself. For sure, yeah. So, so the feedback, it was kind of um, – it, it's interesting because whenever you post something like that, the most hatred that you get is from drone pilots themselves. Like everybody else – who who saw the video who isn't you know in the drone world they, they thought it was great they thought it was amazing uh a lot of people were like you know reached out to us and like thanked us for doing that like look you're documenting history i know that you know you're not supposed to do something like that but just the fact that like this is really important to show to the world um so but the drone pilots like some of them were like all for it they're like hey listen um we need to, you know, make a stand before our hobby gets shut down. Like this is one way of doing it, I guess. I mean, we did fly it with, with the little Cinewhoop. Um, definitely, safety was probably my main concern for that. So if if you notice in the video, I think um, I didn't fly really high above the crowd because if it does fail safe, like by the time this hits the ground, it would, you know, it could really injure someone. So I think with, with something like that, with a Cinewhoop, where all the props are covered and you're flying really low, like maybe 10 tops, 20 feet above the ground. Figured if it does fail safe, and if you do the math and the physics, like it would probably be like a baseball, you know, hitting some somebody from the sky, which, you know, as far as risk is, I think that's pretty acceptable. Uh, of course, if it's going to be fail saving, the, the props aren't going to be spinning by the time it hits the ground. So that was kind of the, the, the idea and basis behind it. But definitely one of those things that, um you 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 wouldn't want to do again it's like one of those like once in a lifetime opportunities where you can bend the rules a little bit but for us it was kind of like um making sure that the message was heard and also you know putting our little take on the message but also kind of making a stand and 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 saying hey listen like why is this uh little cinema treated the same way as you know a massive cinema copter you know a, a hexacopter like there, there's things need to change as far as regulations is, is concerned. And if we can show people, you know, the safety of Cinewhoops, how they're different. And I feel like there has to be some kind of change in regulations for them because there's, there's no reason that this shouldn't be allowed to, you know, fly closer to people, I think. Yeah, well yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, so then on that point, Carter, do you see Cinewhoops or, or smaller, um, uh, I guess minis or whatever you want to call them being used in more and more films moving forward, like Hollywood films because of, of exactly what Nikolai said there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's sort of, I think what, you know, say real study, that's, I think been a very big factor in sort of changing how people are using these and what they're capable of. Um, and that's sort of what got me into it is actually, I think I, sort of started doing this when the Hero 7 came out. So I was just, you know, using the in-body stabilization to begin with. Um, but I think, you know, starting maybe two years ago, there's sort of been this evolution revolution 
of how small can we get with these things, how light can we get, and you know the real advantage to these small things. I use these for you know real estate shoots and stuff all the time. Is you can do these incredible shots that you can't do with anything else, uh, flying through small things, and of course the smaller and lighter, um, which I think is really the direction it's headed. You know, as technology gets better, everything's just going to shrink down and down and down, and uh, you'll just be able to do more crazy stuff that people look at it and it just is like how that you know how the hell did it did it do that like that's that's mind-blowing you know yeah i think that the the cinema is just really going to be revolutionized with with drones and i think it's already starting to happen but you're still seeing some of these large-scale productions being filmed with helicopters i think with the rise of fpv that's really going to change a lot of things uh i i i think it's the future of of any aerial, you know, cinematography, because there's just so much more you can do. And if you do, you know, attach a gimbal, I think there's going to be a point when that's going to happen as well, where you can attach a gimbal and you can have a second person, you know, turning it around. You combine that with, with FPV, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. There's so much you can do with that. And I, I hope that we're a part of that when that's going to be, you know, huge. Is that, I know you guys have each have your own kind of separate FPV accounts, but then FPV Films is the, the two of you. Is that, are you guys hoping to kind of, I mean, is it a production company, I guess, or what's kind of the goal, I guess, of, of FPV Films as a, you know, as a brand, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, we've, we've definitely had, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, Nikolai had his page and he was mainly focusing on Instagram. I had my YouTube and I was mainly focusing on fixed wing aircraft mm -hmm. and then sort of transitioning over to, you know, cinema quads. Um, so we've, we've been working on that and right now, you know, over the past six months, sort of our main platform has been Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, but slowly, but surely we're sort of transitioning over, mm -hmm. you know, air views, YouTube, Instagram, and all sort of converging. We're uniting it by drone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Tyler, that's the clip we use right there for the promo. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Here's all planned. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a question for both of you as well, and I think we'll have very different answers. But um, who in the FPV world did you do you like look up to, or did you look up to getting into this hobby? And and Nikolai, if you say Carter, I'm gonna say BS. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been his hero. <laughs> day one. No, you want to start with that? Sure. Well, I have a I have a quick answer, which is probably not many people are gonna know him for what he uh for what he did for me but uh my sort of idol if you want to call him i mean the guy that honestly kind of started fpv or mainstreamed it is trappy from team black sheet rafael perker and um I, I you know like i said i really i mean i really dove into fixed wing aircraft because of them you know starting like i said at about 12 i started seeing these videos of like these guys taking wings and flying them out two, three miles up a mountain and just bombing down at like 150 miles an hour. And I was like, that's insane. Like I got to do that. Um, and obviously team black sheep has evolved quite a bit and uh, you know, it's very at the, at the forefront of the market space. And I think that's really cool to be able to work along with that. But you know, Trappy's sort of been the, the guy that I've always looked up to and would like to meet at some point, kick his brain. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, for me, I don't know, this is kind of a hard question because kind of the way I entered FPV wasn't really like the path where you, you know, watch a YouTube video and you see what you can do with it. And then you're like, yo, I want to do this now. 
for me, it was like kind of a, progr- a natural progression from, because like one, one of the favorite things that I did with, with speed flying and part of the reason why I did it for so long and I, I loved it was I love to get these chase shots of my friends speed flying. And to do that, I had to get really, really close behind him, not with the drone, with myself and my wings. So like I'd be flying like really close behind him, you know, like like a good like six to ten feet. And if you're like looking back, like, yo, what are you doing? Like you're way too close. Like if our wings collide, we're gonna like go straight in, like, yo, chill. And there were like a few pilots who were kind of scared to fly with me because I'm like, yo, you want to get some six shots? They're, like, no, stay away from me. <laughs> but that's kind of with that, I was like, all right, I really like to do this, but is there a way I can do this where I can fly in front of them as well? Is there a way I can do this where I can fly below them and, and above them? So for, for me, when I, when I kind of saw Carter flying in the park and I started doing, you know, my own little research, I was like, dang, I could really, you know, I, it's like an extension of my GoPro. I can put it wherever I want and I can get these amazing shots and do something I'm really passionate about, which is, you know, showcasing all these sports that I want people to be inspired by. And so that was kind of my path. So we, when you say like, who, who inspired you? I don't know. I can't really say. It's just kind of the whole community, whatever popped up in my feed, I guess there weren't really <laughs> any specific names. And even now I feel like I try to not um, focus on like watching what other people do. Cause I kind of want, to I want FPV films to have its own style and I think like if you really like obsess about how someone else is flying like you kind of start to fly like them as well and I kind of want to you know see what we can do creatively on our own um, rather than trying to like replicate some somebody else's you know stuff yeah that makes sense to me uh, my last question for you guys is we talked a lot about the the formation flying uh have you had any mid-air crashes and if so <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah we've uh we've had more than you can count really um yeah. even starting from the very beginning which you know starting like i said we sort of started doing this on on this road trip out to california we were out there mm-hmm. for about a week and so we didn't really know how we'd fly together we didn't really know what would happen if we crashed together mm-hmm. um all this stuff and i think that was sort of a, a pivotal point was just being stuck together on this week-long road trip and flying every day you know, that was the very beginning and we just like learned a ton doing that. And obviously since then we've learned more and more, but uh, yeah, it's surprising how brutally you can crash and still stay in the air. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> obviously, you know, most of these are in- intentional, but uh, it just happens. You know, you want to get close, you want to get the best shots possible and there's some risk involved. You're flying like this and a gust of wind hits you and there you go. I mean, for, for formation shots, the trick is you want to be as close as possible and you want to be as stable as possible. And of course, you push the limits a little bit the closer you get. And it doesn't take much for, you know, if you're way too close for like a sudden movement uh, to be, you know, to, to fly into somebody. But I mean, of course, if we were flying some, some bigger rigs, we'd be a little bit more careful and you wouldn't have to be as close. But just because, you know, we're flying six inch and five inch, we, we do have to be a lot more on the closer side. As far as uh, collisions goes, like Carter said, yeah, it's definitely you're kind of surprised how much you can handle. Like sometimes you climb, like, oh, did you just hit me? Like, yeah, I just hit you. And then you're like, yo, my video feed's like super vibrationy, man. What's going on? And you're like, uh, yeah, you should probably land. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at it. And then we come in to land. There's like one prop just like sticking up in the air like this. And the rest are like <laughs> damaged. You're like, 
Well, pretty glad we landed after that one, huh? But I think probably the worst crash uh, collision we had was at the the shipyard site. You took me out. I good. took him out because yeah. the thing is, like, my drone is a lot bigger and heavier than Carter's. So typically, when we crash, like, I'm totally fine. And <laughs> Carter's the one who like gets spun out of control and flies somewhere. I don't even know. But for the shipyard, what happened was I was coming in a bit too hot. And that was probably just because it was also very gusty and that, you know, the risk factor goes up a little bit. And what happened was uh, I lost sight of him for a second because I was coming in a bit too hot. But I didn't pull away because I thought, oh, he's just going to pop out from right under me. But he ended up, like, hitting me once. And then he, he like, flew away for, like, a half a second. And then he hit me again. And, like, we both didn't see each other. That's why it happened. And so when that second time, I, mean, I, I was flipped over completely. And Carter, I don't know what happened to your drones, but you were just like, you just went straight down to the bottom of that. Um, I don't know what you should call it, but the, 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 the ship dock where they, you know, build the, the ships. Uh, I, I don't know what you should call it, but you just like went straight down. So you had to hop the fence and get it out. Yeah, we were probably flying like 30 feet above the actual ground. But then, of course, then there's this huge, you know, dig out, maybe mm -hmm. another like 50, 60 feet down where they fill it up and actually lift the ships into the water and so it ended up falling you know probably 100 feet just on the concrete mm -hmm. um, but i mean even with that it's very very rare that one yeah. of our drones ends up on the ground i think that might be even the first the time the only time, time yeah something really bad because usually it's just like whoa like a bunch of crazy stuff and then you recover and then you're like yo that was crazy let's do that again it's <laughs> it's, it's more along those lines than like you know one ends up on the ground basically awesome no i think that's a great place to end this um Keep killing it, guys. Keep pushing the limits. You know, we love your videos all the time here on Airviews. Um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. This has been an awesome one. Hey, appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks, thanks for inviting us. This is actually one of our dreams because we've been watching the Airviews podcast from the beginning. We thought, oh, you know, how cool would it be to, to be on that because there's all, all these, like, crazy cool names on there. So please keep making more of these because I feel like we're learning a lot. And it's really interesting to, you know, see what – what people are doing just in all areas of drones. So thanks for doing what you do. Nice. We appreciate hearing that. And yeah, it was great to have you guys on. Thanks again. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks to both of you. Take care, guys.